The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VARFM 88.1. My name is Mudiwa Mob Justice Kavaza and I am here at VARFM. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein in Johannesburg. It is the Thursday, which means it's that time of the week where we give you a roundup of uh, the business and economics news and also tell you how the world is affecting your pocket and how your pocket is affecting the world. So we're talking business. Business. And for today, we're going to be talking about your first year on the job. This is in line with our theme because last week, if you were listening in, you'd have heard us talking about getting that first job. So now we've moved on to what happens once you have that first job and you're in that first full-time job, whether that's after university or whether you go straight uh, to your job after school, this is what we are going to be talking about. Um, the job search, as we said last week, is not easy and we're also going to be talking about what happens when you're now in it what happens um, in terms of those finances how do you balance your life how do you make sure that you are doing the right things in this new environment how do you learn to cope and then you know at some point how do you then plan your career when is it the right time for you to then say to yourself huh perhaps i need to move away from this job or or apply for that promotion when when does it when does the first job expire these are just some of the issues that we're going to be talking about on today's show so definitely make sure you keep it locked we're going to be here until about 7 p.m also coming up for the next hour we're going to be giving you our business wrap that's just after a quick break uh we're going to be talking to Vumi Mswele, who is our financial expert and for today as you know melusi gigaba our finance minister uh, gave out his uh, national budget for the year 2018 yesterday and that's what we're going to be discussing and then after that we're going to be getting into our buffalo index where we give you the state of your 100 rand make sure you keep it locked this is the business buzz and you can also join in the conversation uh, on social media we are vow fm that's voice of vids and we also have our own facebook page that's the business buzz on twitter we are at vow fm our hashtag is hashtag business buzz and you can also Contact us uh, on WhatsApp as well. That's 0840784912. And you can also stream the station live. That's valfm.co.za. And remember that podcasts of the Business Buzzer will be available on journalism.co.za. Make sure you keep it locked until 7 o'clock right here on ValFM 88.1. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get to our business wrap, and that's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's business and economics news. And every week we are helped by one of our financial experts, and this week we are pleased to have Vumi Mswelli for the first time this year. Um, she's going to be giving us uh, maybe a walkthrough on some of the main talking points from the budget which was announced yesterday. How are you, Vumi? I'm good with you. How are you guys? I'm fine. Thank you so much. It's an interesting time in South Africa. A lot of people um, are talking about uh, Melusi Gigaba's speech yesterday where, we, where he outlined uh, the, year's, uh, the year's national budget. Uh, there's a lot of talk around taxes, fuel, um, subsidies, uh, in terms of sin taxes. There's a lot that's going on. So perhaps you can, you can just tell our listeners what's going on and what's actually important for us to uh, look out for and uh, plan for the year ahead? 
definitely Minister Kikaba's speech yesterday was very, very charismatic. I think he, um, he left quite a, quite a mark on everyone's memory in um, quoting an urban poet. And I do think it is going to be all right, I suppose. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> yeah, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> um, so what's, what's pretty much going to impact everybody right off the bat is um, I don't advise everyone to start stocking up on their Coca-Cola and all other sugary drinks because as of the 1st of April, that tax is going to be increasing. Also do the same with your plastic bags because of that, he's increased it by 50%. So now going to uh, shop by checkers or any other institution to do your grocery shopping, you're going to be paying an additional 12 cents per plastic bag. Wow. Also, also for everyone who's got fuel or uses taxis, they must be aware of the fact that it's actually going to be increasing by 52 cents. So that's obviously going to impact everybody from us Uber users to everyone who's got a vehicle to everyone using any form of a, a public or, or, or private transportation that uses fuel. And of course, Mr. Gigaba uh, very, uh, very candidly apologized for the next tax uh, increase of 10% regarding all alcohol. So a, a beer, a wine, everything's going up by a minimum of 10%. And cigarettes up by 8.5%. Fumi, a lot of the things that you're talking about, they sound very minimal on their own. But what what does this look like uh, for for us in the year to come? Because a, as much as they seem like little things, I'm sure that they're going to be adding up as and when we go to the shops a bit more and we travel more and we go to work and all that. It sounds like a little bit of money, a little bit of percentage, should I say, but it's quite substantial. That's increasing by that 1%, which means, the, as we all know, value-added tax is, is, is an additional tax on all goods and services. So every single thing that is a good or a service in, in the country has that. The increase of 1% has an overall impact of 36 billion rands in the next financial year. So it does accumulate. So think about um, you going in and buying um, a loaf of bread. Now you find you're going to find that your bread is probably going to increase by several, um, that's fifty cents or so. If it's white bread, but if it's brown bread or maize and beans, that's zero rated. So that will remain the same. So basic necessary goods and services that um, are more inclined for um, the more impoverished in our community will remain the same and be zero rated. But white bread will obviously increase. So that one percent increase is quite a big number. Thirty-six billion is not a small amount. So definitely, it's going to hit your pockets. Uh, for me, one of the things that seems to be quite contentious in terms of the way that the budget has been has been set out, because a lot of pundits are saying that Melusi Gigaba had to uh, play, uh, had to do a bit of a balancing act between the rich and the poor. But in terms of the different groups, some people are then saying that um, the budget is favoring more the rich, and others are saying that it's favoring more uh, more towards the poor. And that the rich would then have to uh, incur the greater burden. In your view, is is the is the budget skewed in any way, or um, is it going to be having consequences on us all? I think it's starting to really. It, I think it's. It, 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 it's. I think it did do an awesome job of actually balancing. Because in, in essence, if you are earning four hundred twenty thousand rand a year, which is about thirty five thousand rand per month, which is not a small figure. From a tax perspective, on, a, on your personal tax, you, there's a zero impact for you. So there is no big impact for you. But if, however, you've got an estate and you tend to pass away or you donate, 
over 13 million rand, that bump from 20% to 25% in a state duty is really going to hit you hard. So I think he's trying to do a bit of a balancing act. And I think he's been very clear in almost making sure that those who have more um, are held accountable in, 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 in their social responsibility and helping those who have less. We see this with, his, um, with him increasing the excise um, um, duty for luxury goods from 7 to 9%. That's a 2% increase, which is quite substantial. Which, and he's actually gone on purpose to increase cell phones. So if you can afford an iPhone, he's going to charge you an extra 2% <laughs> for, for tax on that. And then I think uh, for us to end off, uh, one one of the other things that seems to be highlighted is the fact that, especially when, because you've just highlighted the issue of taxes, um, it would seem that uh, Melusi is trying to squeeze more blood out of this rock uh, called the South African taxpayer. Uh, would you would you would you say that this is the right strategy going forward, or should we be looking more uh, towards attacking the fundamentals, such as maybe increasing tax base by having more people employed? We increase the tax base, and we therefore then reduce the burden on the people that are actually already paying tax and then maybe that can reduce um, the rest of these increases that you spoke about earlier on in the show. I think that's the long-term strategy. We can see with what he's doing now with regards to, um, to, to making the first year next free for university students, which automatically, the more educated our people are, the more job opportunities they do have, the more entrepreneurship opportunities obviously arise. So by starting as of this year to have first year first year free for university and TVET students, that's automatically going to start increasing our, our base in, in, in three to four years' time. But unfortunately, those of us who are currently taxpayers, we have to pay the burden, and I think that will be alleviated in future. Um, the decision to also convert NSFAS um, um, students to, to bursaries is a massive one. That means people going into the work market will no longer have to pay the NSFAS back. Uh, as a loan, and then and therefore that that even that increases the, the capacity of spending, which will automatically re, re go back into the economy in terms of that, and obviously in uh, in terms of personal taxes. So I think long term that is the strategy. Um, as seen if if, if, they, if they're able to execute it effectively. But the reality is, those of us who are currently paying tax, which is pretty much everyone who has goods and services, will will, will have to pay it now to, to expand that tax base going forward. Thank you so much for me for that analysis. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Have a good evening. So as you heard, we're talking to a financial expert. That's Vumi Msweli, uh, just giving us a roundup of the South African national budget, which was announced yesterday by our finance minister, Mr. Melusi Gigaba. Uh, some of the big talking points coming out from uh, what you heard us saying, uh, the fuel levy has gone up, which means that uh, the cost of going traveling uh, is directly going to be affected. But all of these things then have a knock-on effect because if the, tra- if the cost of traveling uh, goes up. That means the cost of transport goes up, which means that uh, the cost of transporting goods from one place to the other then goes up. And a lot of these costs might end up being pushed into our pockets as consumers. We also heard that uh, uh, some of the tax brackets have been revised and you heard that uh, their movements 
uh, towards making certain things such as the vision of free education um, a reality and then one of the bigger things that's affecting us all is the fact that VAT has gone up uh, if I'm correct it's gone up from 14% to 15% which is uh, the first time it's gone up in almost 25 years so that's it in terms of the business wrap on the other side of this we get into our Buffalo Index Justice on the business bus. So yes, we've just come from giving you our business wrap, which means that it's now time for us to get into our Buffalo Index. And the Buffalo Index is where we tell you the state of your 100 Rand today. And uh, our producer Elna is in studio to just give us a roundup of what's going on here. Yes, because we all have a hundred <laughs> bucks at at some point in at time. Some point, yeah. Maybe when your paycheck comes mm. in or when mom transfers a little bit something something. <laughs> yeah. Like a hundred bucks is something that we can understand our lives through. Yeah. So it's nice to just see how big things are affecting that little that little note. That little one. Yeah. The buffalo. And today we're talking about something that I know you really love Madura. <laughs> you have a real passion for this one yes, I do. and it's yes, not housing it's not like education fees uh, it's jelly tots it's jelly tots yeah 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 you uh, love jelly tots yeah i love jelly tots and i've actually uh i remember telling you once upon a time that i've always used jelly tots because i'm an i'm an economist right i've always used jelly tots as a as an indicator of inflation that mm. I track the price of jelly tots, you know. <laughs> yeah, you you stand there and pick yeah. and you're like, oh, times yeah. are bad. Uh, times are bad. It's yeah. now thirteen yeah. something something. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually looked at this for for you a little bit, or we are looking at this for you a little bit more closely. Currently, yeah. one packet of Beacon's original jelly tots. Yeah, the OG. Which, which is the real one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to go Beacon's. You yeah. can't go this other stuff. If it's a hundred grams. It's costing about 14 rand 99 cents in a shop. Yeah. So for 100 bucks, you get about 6.6 packets or six and two thirds. Yeah, about. Okay. Yeah, somewhere there. But as we heard earlier, Minister Gigaba is um, is asking for the first increase in VAT, that's value-added tax, yeah. since the early 90s. And you hear this. You hear, okay, VAT rate used to be 14, now it's 15. It, it sounds... What does it mean? Yeah. I mean? yeah. 1%. I mean, 1% of a house price is a lot. Yeah. 1% of a jelly tart, not no, that much. Not so much, yeah. Yeah. So what this basically means is that now... Um, it would be about 6.61 packets instead of 6.67 packets. <laughs> so it still doesn't sound like that much, but your jelly toss are going to go up about 13 cents. Yeah. Again, probably not going to be the thing that makes you decide not to get those those mm. jelly tots. Mm. But it does make a difference in in the big scheme of things, especially yeah. because so many South Africans, it's not like they have piles of money they can just go into. They're not just buying jelly tots. They're buying, you know, that even many of us students are buying, you know, just as much as we can afford. And um, if you take, for instance, a household yeah. that's spending, say, 3,000 rand on food a month, however many people might be in your household, yeah. that's... 30 rand a month that you're spending more and sure that's not that's not large large amounts of money mm. but it, that's like some maize meal some bread yeah. 
some meat that you could have that now you're not having. Now you you're know, just you, you know what I'm afraid of. Fix. Especially when you when you're given this little jelly tots example is the fact that we're looking at jelly tots like in isolation. We're making fun of them, but we're looking at them in isolation, just the price of jelly tots. But you have to think. But if we really think about it, right? Jelly tots. You need to put sugar. You need to put. Um, there's the packet that it's in. There's the labor. All of that stuff. And if we say that the ingredients, a whole bunch of ingredients that are all going up by this one percent, by the time time your actual packet of jelly tots uh comes out it might not have gone up just by the one percent or whatever that we're talking about it might actually go up by even more which then highlights and underscores even more the point that you're making that over time a household that was spending three thousand random groceries very easily you never know mm, mm. and that affects people's hunger and people's <laughs> ability to get like it is quite serious but maybe what we should do is come back in a couple of months and, and or yeah and and say how's those jelly tots doing are yeah. they really <laughs> are they really where we thought the way they're going to be yeah. Mm. So that's it in terms of our Buffalo Index. Uh, thank you so much to producer Elna Schutz for giving us that very factual report about the price of jelly tots as you heard 6.67 or six and two thirds that's how many jelly tot packets you can get uh, i am a lover of these things and i actually track the uh, once upon a time i remember when the price of jelly tots when i first came to south africa back in 2011 the price of jelly tots was around eight rand fifty and right now jelly tots are about as you heard 14 rand 99 that's about 45 percent increase the price is almost doubled right in less than 10 years which then really shows you if inflation at the moment is six is only six percent that means that the price of jelly tots would have only been touching maybe 11 or 12 rand now but it just shows you that these things you know they they spiral but anyway that's it for today's buffalo index on the other side of this we're getting into the job market right when you are getting all those different hundred rands and they're making up your salary and all of that stuff how do you handle it we're talking about the first year on the job make sure you keep it locked this is the business buzz. The, the business buzz. Remember that you can keep in touch with us on social media. We are Vow FM or Voice of Vits and The Business Buzz. We have our own Facebook page there. On Twitter, we are at Vow FM. Our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. And our WhatsApp line is 0840784912. And you can also stream the station live. That's VowFM.co.za. And podcasts of The Business Buzz show are available on journalism.co.za. So, Today we are going to be talking about the first year on the job. As I highlighted earlier on, last week's show was about getting that first job. And for today, we're now tackling what happens when you get that first job and you're in that first job. So before we get into it, we're just going to hear from one of our very valued listeners who gave us a, a little bit of insight about their experience on their first job. Hi, so just my contribution in terms of um, the experience of, of, of your first job. I'm a month into mine. Um, and advice that I would give is to constantly be learning, constantly be open to learn new things. Um, and that means even if you have that feeling of, oh my goodness, 
I just finished varsity. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. I don't know how to do this. That's okay. The people you're working with probably know that. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Always be keen to learn something new. It's okay to get it wrong the first hundred times, but as long as you eventually get it right. And also just learn how to deal with different personalities um, and how to, to interact with them and know what works best for them and different everyone's work ethic and how they work and all of those things and try to be malleable and work with them. Don't try work against people <laughs> um, because you're going to meet a range of different people and a range of different personalities. And if you're stubborn and set in your ways, you're probably not going to have a really easy time at your work. Um, yeah, and enjoy the process. It will help you grow, it will shape you, and it will be awesome. Cool. We're talking first jobs, as you heard. That was uh, one of our very valued listeners' uh, experience on their first jobs and some advice uh, coming at the end. They're telling people that you should grow and you should actually see how and when you can enjoy the process. But for right now, we're going to enter the topic by looking at the rules of work because every different organization has a different work culture, uh, expectations, what you expect, what the company expects, and we have have on the line uh, Sheila Foster, uh, who is the author of Your First Year of Work, The Survival Guide. She has more than 30 years of experience in the media and communications industry, serving as editor, writer, and writing training strategists across the media, across media platforms. And in that, she has worked with so many people coming into the workforce uh, that she wrote Your First Year of Work. And now she does workshops around the country on this subject. How are you, Sheila? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you, Madiwa. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> Thank you so much. So as we begin, we know that young people tend to be very afraid or have some type of nerves when they get into their first jobs and they're facing a new culture or you don't really know what's going on. So let's imagine that I'm starting my first day uh, at my full-time job. What should I keep in mind and how should I prepare? Well, I think having nerves and being nervous about it is a very good thing, actually. As long as you don't, as long as you don't let those nerves cripple you, because I mean, I know from when you, when you start university or college for the first time, yeah. it's so different from school, and you think, oh my goodness, I'm excited and I'm nervous, but I'm going to I'm going to get whatever I can out of this. And when you start work, it's very very similar, but it's not only what you can get out of it; it's what you can give, what you can put into it. And I think it's really important to bear that in mind. So it's not just about, oh my goodness, I have a job and I'm going to get a salary. Yay, I'm going to earn some money for the first time in, in ever. Um, but it's what what can I put into this? How can I grow now as, a, as an employed person in my chosen career? And I think that mindset is the thing that will put you in a very good space to do well and possibly to do better than other people. Sheila, one of the things that tends to happen to people is that um, as, as as an individual, you have expectations of what your job uh, requires of you. And at the same time, the employer has expectations of what they require from you. So how do you as an individual manage those expectations in that first job when you've never had to... Um, operates in such an environment before uh, what are some good or bad expectations to have well i think that the best expectation to have is that you know almost nothing <laughs> and not be afraid of that because 
if you've got your degree or your, your diploma or whatever your qualification is, you, you're now a, you're a specialist in that field, whether it's the sciences or marketing or whatever it happens to be. But so you know your stuff, you know you you know your subject, but you have no work experience. So I think the first expectation should be that you don't that you don't really know a lot, but and that you and that you are there to learn and there will be surprises and to expect things to not be what you expect them to be if you understand what I'm saying so so expect to be surprised expect things to be different because if you if you've built up expectations and you've got this picture in your mind that the work environment is going to look like this and your boss is going to be like that and your colleagues going to be like this and you arrive there and it's not that way it can it can be instantly quite sort of discouraging and, and, and surprising. So I think maybe do away with the expectations a little bit and go in there with a very open mind, with a, a sense of adventure, you know, this is a new journey. But don't project what you think should happen. Try not to do that because that can really, that can be a, a, a tripping stone, a place to fall over and rather always lower your expectations in a way not you don't expect much but you don't project what it's what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to feel like now we know that all industries are different and different organizations operate on different um with different expectations uh levels of ethics and all of that stuff but are there any universal rules or codes of conduct that uh, you could maybe give to our listeners um, around how to be professional um, in the workplace? Oh, oh, very much so. I think the very first thing, and it's something that I'm very fussy about, is to be, is to be punctual and to rapidly, if you haven't already, learn to man- manage your time. Yeah. So always be there before you need to start work. Always take a slightly lunch, uh, shorter lunch break. Always leave a little bit later than you need to so that you make everyone aware that your time is now the company's time, is now the job's time or your team's time. It, that kind of thing makes you shine in the workplace. And it seems little, but a little thing. But if you're always the person who's a little bit late and leaves a little bit early and takes the, short, the longest lunch break, you'll be noticed for that small things so 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 be punctual and respect other people's time if you're late for a meeting uh it's you might not understand that that puts other people out that someone's been waiting five ten minutes for you don't don't be that person don't just respect other people's time the other thing that is absolutely universal is is be curious so if you don't know something ask somebody and ask until you understand and read up about the, the company that you're in and, and the job that you're, you're going to be doing. And if, if, if there's any point that you don't understand, ask. So if, if you, and, and don't be afraid to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Or is there another way you can explain it to me? Or can you give me something to read that will make it more clear? Don't ever be the person who doesn't know what's going on. Because then you're sort of instantly lost and it's, very troubling for you personally, but it's also distressing for the people that you work with. I also think that 
Uh, <laughs> I know. It, it is sort of, <laughs> I hear you laughing. At, and of course, it is quite funny from the outside, but when you're in there and, and, you, do, and, you, don't, and you feel clueless, it's terrifying. And if you're a naturally shy and reserved person, it's even more difficult. And, and this is now the time to break through that and to find that little bit of courage that can help you ask, you know, okay, I, I still don't understand. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. So it's, a, it's about just being a little bit better than yourself and being quite a lot better than everyone else. Because you don't just, you're not just doing this for yourself. You're doing this for the company now. So when you're studying, it's all about doing it for yourself. But when you're working, it, it should be very much about the company and the people that you work for. There are two very have, uh, sorry uh, sorry to cut you right there. No, um, there's just something that you brought up right now about the difference between um, the working world and school. And I think it also goes into, because listening to you, you're talking, a lot of the things you're talking about are very subtle and sort of inferred. They aren't really um, out there. They aren't really in plain black and white. And I think one of the differences between, say, your schooling environment, such as university, is that there's usually a set of guidelines around how a person is judged for their work or the behavior that is expected. Whereas in the working world, some of these things are more subtle and uh, and are inferred and it's just assumed that people know some of these things how how does a person then navigate a, such a world where it's not really given but it's expected <laughs> <laughs> it, that's a very tricky one and I, and I think the best thing that you can do when you when you when you're in a new job is is to listen to people is to find somebody who's on your side. So whether that person is, is, is a mentor or a colleague that, or a, 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 um, someone that you report to that you, you instantly have a rapport with and you, and you understand that they're quite empathetic and they want the best of you and for you and from you, is to find somebody who you can ask questions of. Now, like, even if it's silly questions that you don't know there's a problem with your computer and you need to speak to the IT person and but you don't know who that person is. So have someone that you're not afraid to ask questions of. If there's a stationary issue or you need to I don't know if there's a if you're having a meeting and and someone asks you to make the coffee and you think, Oh, it's not my job to make the coffee, excuse me, I've got a degree you know, someone to actually go and say, Is this okay? Is this normal? If to have somebody on your side. And, and those relationships do take a while to develop, but otherwise you're going to feel quite alone. And if the only people that you really chat to are also newcomers into the work environment, they're, they're not the right people to ask. So find someone a little bit who's been there a little bit longer, not ne- necessarily a senior person, but an empathetic person who can who can answer what might seem like silly questions. When you in talking just now, you are you are bringing up the issue of relationships, and the issue of finding someone who is on your side. Now, 
in the working environment you don't get to choose the people that you are surrounded with and the people that you get to have to spend that nine to five with um how do people uh, find ways to to cope with different ca- uh, characters different personalities and just relating to colleagues uh, because in some in some environments you might not like someone but that's the person mm. that you have to work with and is the person who um is you are interfacing with on a daily basis for example well, I, I just think that is the most important question. Because I believe, and, and, and there are a lot of people who don't agree with me, but just hear me out, that I believe that when you're at work, that you should respect everyone you work with, even if you don't like them, even if you don't, wouldn't normally consider respecting them. So if you've got a different, difficult colleague or a difficult boss or somebody that you talk to on on a daily basis who you actually don't like them very much and you wouldn't normally have respect for them. My suggestion is that you think of respect the same way that you think of love. So love is an emotion, but more than that, it's an action. So even if you don't particularly like somebody, if you treat them with respect, then then you will get the most out of them. You will have a smoother working relationship even if they are difficult and not the kind of person you want to bring home for lunch on a Sunday, to actually be aware that everyone in that work environment, everyone, whether it's the person who makes the tea or whether it's your boss or whether it's the the CEO of the company or the person who sits next to you, if you treat them with respect, you you will get more out of them. You will... and, and, And if you battle with that idea, just think, so if I treat them with respect, what will happen? So what will happen is that they will communicate better with you. They will give you the information that you need. It will be easier to work with them. Mm. And even if you do, and even if you don't like them, you can respect them because they have got something to teach you. So respect. And, and, and to, yeah, to me, that's the goal, almost the golden rule. It's a tricky thing to treat someone with respect when you don't like them. But in a work environment, it, it's like it's like the magic wand. It's like the secret spell that makes <laughs> things fall into place. Um, Sheila, we have in the interest of time, we have time for just one more question, and I think sure. it's it's a very good place for us to end off. I think it's very important, especially for that very first job, because usually someone's first full time job is the first um, proper salary that they're going to be right. having. Um, how does how do you advise young people to actually go about managing their finances in that first job? Is it really important? to start planning um, in that first job or should you wait until you have a higher salary and uh, how, how do you navigate that it's the first time that you have to now deal with um, things like insurance and medical aid how do uh, we do it well I, I think it doesn't matter what you earn if you're in charge of your income then you're in a powerful position already and I think the first step is to actually learn how to budget and be aware that budgeting doesn't mean what you need to spend money on it means what you have what you're earning after medical aid maybe and after tax and all of those things how much money do you actually have and then look at that figure and decide where it's going to go you know some of it if you're still staying with your parents is some of it going on rent transport so all the essentials first medical aid or putting money aside for if you don't have medical aid for going to the doctor 
all those quite boring things are the first things <laughs> that need to come off your salary. And then what you're left with, that is what you have to spend on clothes and entertainment. Don't don't make those the priorities. Don't think, oh, yeah, now I can go out every night and I can spend, I don't know, 500 rand a week or whatever it is on entertainment. That comes at the end. And, and, think, and the essentials come first. And if you can fit savings into that, even if it's, I don't know, 200 rand a month, just be disciplined and open a savings account and you put that into your savings so that you, you can start seeing your money grow. And even if it's only 100 rand a month, when you, since you start seeing your money grow, it gets very exciting. You think, ooh, 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 okay, it's not just about what I'm earning, it's about what I'm saving. Mm. So if you can develop that mindset right from the word go, I think you're going to do very, very well for yourself. A lot of tips coming through from uh, Sheila Foster, who is the author of Your First Year of Work, The Survival Guide. Thank you so much to Sheila for talking to us. And as you heard right there, the point I'm going to highlight is the one at the end where she's talking about your salary, making sure that you do the necessary things first before you do um, the things that you kind of want to do. A very wise saying is that we do the things that we have to do before we, uh, so that we can do the things that we want to do. And I think that is a point she definitely highlighted there. And another important one that really stood out for me was the very first answer she gave. And she said that when you're in a new environment, try by all means to be um, on time and to leave uh, later and uh, just to show the company or an organization that um, they are getting their money's worth in the investment of your time. So that's it. Thank you so much to Sheila uh, for talking to us about rules of work, uh, what to do when you're in that first job. On the other side of this, we're going to be talking about uh, career uh, career progression. Uh, When is the time for you to leave that first job? When is it okay uh, for you to start planning uh, your next moves after that first job? Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Our conversation continues right here on the Business Buzz as we talk about life in that very first job. Uh, but before that, remember that you can keep in touch with us on Facebook. We are Vow FM. That's Voice of Vits. And we also have our own Facebook page. That's The Business Buzz. On Twitter, we are at Vow FM. Our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. And our WhatsApp line is 0840784912. You can stream us live on vowfm.co.za. And remember that podcasts of The Business Buzz show are available on journalism.co.za. Before we move on to um, the next part of the show, let's just hear from another one of our listeners relating to us their experience on the job. My first day of my first job was extremely overwhelming. I'd never worked in corporate before. It was information overload and I had so much to learn in such a short amount of time. I remember going home in tears thinking I would never be able to do this job and I ended up working there for two years. But what really helped me was realizing that everyone manages their workload differently. Yes, there are certain processes and rules in place, but everyone gets to the end and everyone gets to their deadlines and gets their work done in different ways. And that's okay. And it has really helped me with managing stress, managing conflict, and just working along with team members. 
sounds like a very traumatic first day that uh, this young lady had. Uh, but uh, as you heard right there, she she was she was able to overcome, and I, I think she she's moved uh, progressively and positively with her career. But uh, as we talk more about careers, we want to now know because we've now spoken about uh, last week how to get that first job uh, during the first part of this show, what to do in that first job, and in this next part of the show, we're now looking at how do you then decide it's now time for you to move on after you're in that first job because your first job will always be your first job for a lot of people it won't be their only job at some point you have to move on because that is what growth is about and we have our producer Alna Schutz who spoke to Petra Cooper who is a manager for financial services with Robert Walters recruitment if you remember um Petra was on the show last week uh, talking about how to apply for a job. So this is Elna talking to her about when it's time for you to then move on from your first job. Once you're in a job and you've settled, you're doing really well, you know what you're doing. At what point, what are the reasons that might make you want to change jobs? What are good reasons? Okay, so um, I quite like the fact that you've asked what are good reasons as opposed to bad reasons for wanting to leave your jobs. So um, I would say that the first criteria would not be, oh, I don't like my boss or I don't like my colleague or anything like that. You know, I do think it must must largely be based on a on a need and a desire and something stirring in you saying that I feel like I've got the hang of this. Um, I'm ready to kind of take the next step in my career um, and, and I want to be challenged and I feel like I've really, the skills that I've gained in this role and the growth that I've had in this role has now been attained and the, the next step for me is either internal promotion or alternatively now saying, okay, well, if I'm not you know, going to get that internal promotion, now I'm going to start looking externally and see if there's a job that might give me the growth that I need. So very important um, I think what what typically is frowned upon is something that we call job hopping, um, somebody who's kind of stayed in a role consistently just changing jobs every year. Um, it's never a good sign. Companies like to see employees who they think will be loyal. Um, but what has become generally accepted, especially with millennials nowadays, is that on average a person will last in a role between two to three years. Um, and that's fine. An employer is starting to expect that, but they want you to pack as much punch, punch as possible in those two to three years. And and that's definitely driven by attitude and, and knowing that you going in there, you want to learn as much as possible and add value from day one. Um, but definitely, I would start saying there's that stirring in you saying, mm, I think I need a little bit more of a challenge. And deciding to leave is only one part of the conundrum because now you have to move into something new mm-hmm. and it's quite a tough question to ask yourself um, especially when there aren't many options in front of you what would be the thing that you recommend you should be choosing in your next job so is it just because it's a higher salary or is it just because it's a certain other rival com- company what defines the decision of where to go? So money is always a factor, but um, you know, as I've mentioned before, uh, we 
you become weary when somebody's chasing money and your potential future employer will also um, start feeling if you're chasing money, then you're not really there to add value to them. So uh, I'm not saying money is not important. I mean, money does make the world go round. And I think ultimately what you want is you're going to want to feel that you're fairly compensated for the effort that you're putting into the job. But what, what should kind of drive you and, and how scary it is, is just, like I said, um, what you should be looking for is something that's going to be giving upskilling you, growing those skills. And it must be quite certain in your heart that your current role is not going to give you that. A potential future employer will want to see that you've exhausted all options internally and had a discussion possibly with your current boss to say, well, you know, I've proven myself. What else can I do? Is there something internally that I can consider? Um, but, you know, it's definitely main criteria will be I can do my potential new job. There's 70% of it I can, for example, do. But there's 30% of this job spec that I know I can't do. And that's what makes me excited because it's going to grow my skills. So it's always, always entertaining and growing the skill that you already have. That's the best reason to change jobs and, and look for that. Can can we end off with a note in terms of seniority and the, the ladder um, in terms of especially a lot of people feeling like they need to be the CEO to to make it, how do you evaluate a, a possible change in jobs according to the title as opposed to the actual things you're doing? So being title driven is more often than not someone's personal preference you get you get people who are really focused on the title must be reflective of the seniority in a in a job in a company some people are driven by the content as you've mentioned like what am i actually going to do every day um but you must also remember that every single company's got a different name that they call the same role you know you can look at the banks some of them say this is a junior middle or senior management role um internationally especially in the states you'll get somebody that says this is an avp which is an assistant vice president or this is a vp it's a vp role you know a vice president role and 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 so i think seniority can be important and is important if you've worked very hard in your current role to to get that management experience and you know you've worked towards it um, so let's say you're managing a team at the moment and the next job that you're interviewing for there's no one that you're going to manage um, you have to ask yourself do I enjoy management is that essential part of my job to give me job satisfaction or some people have been in management positions and they're like you know what I actually didn't enjoy it I want to actually be more involved in that in getting my hands dirty and doing the actual job. So it's definitely personal preference. Um, but I do think that uh, job title must never drive drive your decision to move. It must always be about the content, the skill that you're attaining. And more often than not, if it's a company you would want to be associated with in your CV going forward. More justice on the business bus. The show has almost come to an end. We're talking about life in that first job. But before we do that, we have one more uh, of our listeners who's going to relate his experience on the uh, on his first job. I'm very happy to say this is one of my friends. His name is Tapua. So my first job experience, which didn't include the internship, was very interesting. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, you learn to maximize your time. You realize that you are actually quite dispensable, especially when you work in a well-oiled sweatshop like I did. 
but you also learn that you can run on minimal amounts of sleep and that to be honest there's not a lot of work you are able to do at that time so you're basically being paid for messing up at work but as time moves by you know you adjust and to be honest you learn a lot about being emotionally intelligent and more than anything else i think really cooperating with other people as well in the organization and working as a team that's the most important thing and uh, what can i say you know it's it won't always be so rosy but you need to do, you know, pay your fair share of time and do your fair share of time before you gain that experience, you gain those networks. And after that, you know, the universe kind of rewards you for keeping your head down and working it out. So, you know, that's the most important thing, really. You know, not all experiences are the same. Some have rosy experiences, others have terrible experiences. I think I was fortunate enough to have uh, mediocre you know, not too bad, not too great. I learned a lot, and I think that's what I appreciate the most. Very interesting first job experiences coming through right there. As you heard, um, there was uh, there was a young man talking about how he had a mediocre experience, not too bad um, at the same time, not too exciting. Earlier on, we heard uh, a young lady telling us that she had the worst ever first day on the job. And at the beginning, we had someone giving us what seemed like a very mellow uh, first day. Yes, there was a learning curve. So it seems that uh, everyone's first job, first day on the job, first job as a whole, it seems to be a point of contention uh, because everyone has a different experience. But I think what remains universal is that for everyone, there's usually a learning curve because it's something new. You're usually in a new environment and you've never had to deal with those pressures before. So for everyone that's in their first jobs right now, my encouragement to you is learn as much as you can. Um, as you heard from uh, the last um, the last speaker uh, you need to learn as much as you can and then you'll start gaining those networks and the grind will actually then start paying off and then we also heard from Petra talking about how um, when you reach a certain point and you've exhausted all your internal options, you should then start looking at how can you expand yourself and grow outside of the organization that you're in because employers tend to shy away from people that are job hopping too much because they take it as an indicator that you care way too much about the money. But that's just an opinion. Um, that's just my opinion. That's just my interpretation of what's going on in the current corporate environment. So, for everyone that's in their first jobs, all the best. Stay grinding, um, stay hustling. For everyone that's looking for that first job, don't lose hope. It will happen. So, that's it for our first, uh, for this show uh, on this Thursday of February. It is the 22nd. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening to the show. Remember that you can continue talking to us on social media. We are Val FM or Voice of Vits, and we have our own Facebook page. That's The Business Bus. On Twitter, we are at Val FM. Our hashtag is Hashtag business bus and you can WhatsApp us. That's 084 0784912. Stream us. That's www.valfm.co.za. And you can also find podcasts of the business bus show on journalism.co.za. Coming up next, we have uh, Diema and Bongi on Life Beats. So definitely make sure you don't turn that down. For everyone who was with us for the last hour, thank you so much. Thank you to our executive producer, that's Elma 
shirts and our technical production is done by Kutlano Serame. For myself, Mudeo Mob, Justice Gawasa and the rest of the team is a good evening and take care. Listen to the business buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on VowFM. Listen to the Business Buzz podcast on www.journalism.co.za.